Father in heaven, we come in humbleness and we thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace that we don't understand and we don't deserve. Nevertheless, you love us with a love greater than the universe. We thank you for Jesus. Father, we thank you for the promise that whenever we come together, you are with us. And right now we pray that you'll be the one to inspire and to speak and to touch and to transform. And we pray that we may focus on you, understand the word, and not only understand mentally, but allow you to work in our hearts, in our lives, and transform us to the point that we practice, we live what, what you tell us. Please work with your spirit and bring results. May it be for your glory. In Jesus' name and merit we pray and thank you, Lord. Amen. We talked about the foundation of Christian life, foundation of religion, foundation of everything that happens in our life, not only religion, but every day. Basically, salvation and victory and growth and results and fruits, they all depend on this. In fact, this seems so simple that people ignore it. And many times people prefer to look for theology that is good, nothing wrong with that, to look for complicated methods and, and programs. And the more complicated it is, the more difficult it is. And Jesus used to teach them in simple things, but very profound. This, what we talk about, it's so simple that many times we ignore it. But this is the key. This is it. People who understand this and practice this, they get everything else. And so we talked about number one part of the foundation. Confess, repent. You need to acknowledge who you are. You need to acknowledge to own who you are. Unless you own it, you will never be able to change. Unless you have a right diagnostic, you will never get the right treatment. <coughs> And you cannot really understand who you are unless you fix your eyes on Jesus. When you look to him and his righteousness and his cross, compared to him, you understand how you really are and your desperate need for forgiveness and help. People may have the tendency to try to change their own power, but they don't manage for two reasons. Number one, <clears throat> because they don't know how bad? We don't know how bad we are. And number two, we don't understand that we don't have that power. And then after you look to Jesus, understand how you are and you confess, we struggle to believe. We don't have enough faith to believe. And I'm going to give you an example as we, as we start. Uh, we were, uh, long ago, we talk about many, many, many years ago, uh, we were skiing and I know skiing is fun and I love skiing, I just don't ski. <laughs> because uh, I never learned how to ski. And we went to Cascade Mountain. That, don't imagine that that's Colorado. The, the black diamond there is like Bunny Hill for Colorado. That's not serious skiing, but for me it was dangerous. And so I went, my kids went on the black diamond. And, and I went on Bunny Hill. And I learned how to stand and how to push and how to do everything and then my kids say hey 
Are you chicken? What, what? Go to the next one. I said, no, nah, I don't want to break a leg. Now it's time. You already did two hours there. It's time for you to have a little courage, a little faith. Move to the next one. I moved to the next one and I felt so bad. I almost, uh, I almost broke my thumb. And so I said, you know what? That's enough. I'm going to take a break. I took a break. I got a hati. I like, I like, I love chamomile mixed with peppermint or mint tea. So I got an, and a little lemon and a little honey. So I got a hot tea. And as I was outside in the snow, uh, at the bottom of the slopes and uh, on a wood table with my tea, dressed properly, drinking my tea and watching the, 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 the lift chair going up and the people skiing down, I see on a difficult slope, extremely difficult, three people coming. And, and I see one in the middle with black round uh, glasses and then a paper here. And I could not see, it was too far what it says on the paper, but I could hear as they started to come closer and closer, left, right, a little left, straight, a little left, straight, a little right, straight. And then once you know, step away, blind skier, step away, blind skier. I was like, wow, are you kidding me? When they got closed and they stopped, the paper says blind skier. And they, they sat down at the same table across from me. And I went there and I did that in front of his eyes. I said, you are not blind, are you? He said, I am. But you do see a little, no? Shadows, lights, nope, nothing. I was born blind. I don't see anything, total blindness, dark. I said, what's wrong with you? I mean, you go skiing, come on. He said, well, I would not. I would die in a second. But I know these guys. We grew up together. We know each other so well. We are best friends. We would die for each other. I love them. They love me. And they are ski teachers, instructors. And I, I trust them enough to put my life in their hands. If they said, go with us, trust us. They taught me how to ski and they go with me and I am secure in their hand. It came to my mind, a man could trust another man if they know each other and they are friends for a long time. But we don't trust God who gave Jesus. That's because we don't know him. And we don't know him because we don't spend enough time with him and we don't put our eyes. So he said in point number two, put your eyes on the cross. In order to believe him, without, without faith, it's impossible because God works through our faith. Our faith allows God to work. Our faith allows us to wait for the Lord and to accept when he says something. Because when God talks, God never talks normal. If it's a normal thought, it's your thought. When God talks, it's always crazy for the human mind. For instance, God told Noah, build an ark. That was crazy. It, there was never rain. And God told him to build the ark on the mountain. Come on. Rain doesn't, water doesn't go up the mountain. Water goes down. Why would I put the boat on the mountain? Let me put the boat down at the sea, at the lake. God told, uh, as I said before, uh, Joshua to walk around Jericho. God told the prophet to throw the wood uh, the handle of the axe on the water. Doesn't make any sense. And then the iron part came up. That, that God works don't match human logics. Therefore, people who expect to understand in order to obey, they will never obey. You need to know God enough. When God talks to you, 
not to expect to understand, but to know him enough to trust him and do it. Trust and obey. There is no other way, says the song. Basically, how do you trust God so much when he says something that doesn't make any sense? It's suicide mission. When God says something, you do it. Regardless. Like Abraham, leave your country. Okay. Sacrifice your son. Okay. How do you trust God so much? We said point number two. In order to trust God, you need to keep your eyes on him. Because only when you know him, when you understand his love, his wisdom, when you look how he has worked in the past, you cannot expect to have faith in the trial today unless you repeat how God has led you in the trial yesterday. That's the reason there is a quotation that says we have nothing to fear unless we shall forget how God has led us in the past. And so, that's the reason Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord of my soul and do not forget any of his benefits. That's the reason God told Moses to tell Israel to write all these things and then to read them to their children and grandchildren because as they repeat how God has led them, how he got them through the sea, how he got them out of Egypt, how he, as they repeat those miracles, it gives them faith that when they go to the walls of Jericho, that when they are attacked by foreign armies, they can trust in their God because he has been with them so far. So yes, he will be with them though they may not see the results. The end. For instance, God told them at the walls of Jericho, walk around the walls every day. You remember the story seven days, seven times. Don't say anything and then blow the shofar. And then he says, shout of victory. Shout of victory. They were not supposed to shout after the walls came down. They were supposed to shout before the walls came down. You need to know your God so much that when he says, I have given you Jericho, that was before God gave them Jericho. He talked past tense as it already happened because God knew that it will happen and it's a done deal. It's just a matter of time. You need to trust in the Lord as you and rejoice as you have. If God said so, God cannot lie. Not because I deserve it, but because of him, his character. God cannot lie. And so if God says so, his promises are yes and amen. I can jump and scream and, and, and shout of victory. So they're supposed to shout of victory that they got Jericho before they got Jericho. That's faith. When you rejoice in victory before you receive the victory or the answer, before you know when and how, like Anna, she prayed for a child and then the high priest said, go in peace. May God answer your prayer. And instead of being sad, she anointed herself and rejoiced and she says, I praise the rock of my salvation. Before she was pregnant, before the baby moved in her tummy, she knew if God promised it will happen. You can rejoice that you'll have a baby before you are pregnant. Basically, how do you trust God so much? You put your eyes on him and the more you know him, the more you understand that you can trust him. You don't put your eyes on the problems. Satan wants you to do that. You don't put your eyes on challenges, on yourself. You put your eyes on God, his character, his cross, his promises. You repeat his promises. You put your eyes on, on, on the past experiences with him. Uh, I remember I, I, I had a, a friend, I'm not going to tell you the location, the church or, or the name or anything. He was going through a very rough time. His wife had a, a, a surgery in her shoulder and the doctors after they did the surgery, the surgery will not heal and the bone will not heal. So she went back and they checked again. Everything was okay and it would not heal and it took a month, two months, three months, it, it would not heal. And she was in constant pain and, and she could not take 
pain medicine anymore and, and she lost her job. Meanwhile, he lost his job. Meanwhile, several things happened in the family. And he was totally depressed. Pastor, I am praying and God doesn't answer. And he, I said, what do you pray for? And he told me, for my wife's healing and for my wife's job and for my job and for our daughter. And, and he told me the story and for our grandson. And he told me the story. And so many things coming in the same time. I said, my brother, after you gave this promise to God, what happens? Do you praise the Lord for the answer? He said, well, I don't have an answer. I said, well, that's science when you see the answer and then praise him. I said, you need to trust. I don't say that if you praise the Lord, God has no choice but to work. I'm not saying that. Joseph uh, prayed and he still spent seven years in prison, but he was not alone. The Bible says that they could see that has the spirit of the living God in him, that he was so uh, wise and so he behaved with so much integrity that they started to respect him in prison and put him above the whole prison. And so basically, even in prison, he was not alone. God took care of him. So it doesn't mean that you don't go to trials, but when you go through them, you are not alone. God is with you. But I said, you talk all the time about problems. How long have you been praying for these problems. And he told me, I've been praying for these things for the last three months. I said, my brother, for three months, all you talk, all you see, all you think is problems. No, no wonder that you are discouraged. He said to me, I'm discouraged. I don't believe that God cares. I don't believe that he, I, I'm not even sure if there is a God. I, if he is there, he doesn't care or he doesn't get involved. He doesn't answer prayer. He just, I'm not sure that God is love. And he says, theoretically, I know, practically, I lost my faith, I am sad, I am discouraged, I am depressed. And I said, well, look, look I, I want you to do something. Oh, by the way, I, when he called me, I was preaching in California. And when he called me, as I was preaching, I, I had a new phone. That, the day before I got a new phone and I didn't know how to, I didn't have time to play with it. I didn't know how to turn it off. So I just put it on vibrate. As I was preaching, it started to vibrate in my pocket and it, to distract my attention from the sermon. So I didn't know what to do, so I turned it eventually off altogether because I didn't know how to turn off the vibrate. And after I finished my sermon and I turned on the telephone, there were 16 voice messages and 22 text messages from the same person. I mean, they send one and if you don't answer, they send second one and third and and the first one was, okay, pastor, please call me. Second one, pastor, why don't you call me? Third one, you pastors never care. Fourth one, I'll never talk to you again. I'll never come to the church. I hate you. The fifth one, I can, you cannot imagine when you get the 22nd message. It was whatever. And so, so I called him. I said, what's the deal? Why, do you, why are you so upset? He says, you don't answer. I said, I was preaching. Oh, why don't you say so? How could I say I was preaching? Do you want me to stop the sermon to answer to you? And then I said, what happened? He said, well, for the last three months, you know the story, I pray and, and, and God doesn't answer. So I said to him, listen, you are depressed because you don't know God. And you have two problems. Number one, because you look to the problems instead of looking to God, you are depressed, you are discouraged. And because of that, you have no faith and you don't allow God to work. You don't wait upon him. You don't, you don't know how he works. And I said, I want you to do an exercise. I want you, when you pray, tonight or tomorrow morning, whenever you pray, you say, Lord, you do present your problems. As he says, cast your needs upon him. Cast all your worries upon him. But the word in Greek, to cast, is the same word that was used to throw rocks when you would kill somebody. And it's to, to throw something with 
power so far that you cannot reach it or take it back. When you cast your needs upon the Lord, you don't talk about them. You throw them at Him. You don't show them to the Lord and then you put them back on your shoulder and keep carrying the burden. You throw them at Him and you don't have the bag anymore because you threw the bag at Jesus. Now He has to carry your bag. Your backpack is not yours anymore. You threw it so far that you cannot take it back. And so when you give it to the Lord, you say, Lord, I don't know how to deal with it. I give it to you. Take it. Now it's yours. You carry it. You said that you care for me. You said that you love me. I trust in you. I'm going to wait upon you. I said, when you tell him again and again and again and again and again, the same problem. There are only three options. Number one, he doesn't care. And then why do you keep telling him if he doesn't care, he doesn't care? Go and talk to a stranger who doesn't care for you. You can tell him 100 times, he still doesn't care. Number two, he has no power. You can tell him forever. If God has no power, you know, he, he, oh, I would love to help you, but I'm so weak and so small, you know, he has no power. Then stop asking. So either he doesn't care, he doesn't love you, or he doesn't have power, doesn't have wisdom, doesn't have solutions. He doesn't know what to do. He's so small. Or he does care. He does know. He does know your problems. He knows your heart. He knows the future. He knows the problems you have better than you do, actually. He can tell you more details than you know about the story. He, he loves you. He cares for you. He has power. He has solutions. He has a thousand ways when you don't have one. He sees the light at the end of the tunnel. But you need to let him work. You need to trust in Him and to wait upon the Lord. I said, only three options. And, and I said, if you think that God cares, and God has the power, the love, the, the wisdom, the, the methods, the solutions, why don't you give Him a chance to work? Well, I did for three months. I said, wait, 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 wait. hold on a second. For by faith you have been saved. Without faith it's impossible because they, those who come to the Lord, they need to believe. I want you, I said, to imagine if Joshua didn't believe when God said, walk around Jericho, Joshua would say, Lord, come on, give me a better solution. Can you throw some rocks in Jericho or some lightning or something and kill them and then I go and walk around? What if Joshua would have said that? Lord, come on. Gideon, Lord, you want me to go to the war with 300 people? Come on. What if you go to the doctor and you say, I have stomach pain, and the doctor would analyze, do x-ray, this and that and that, and after, he says, you need to take this. And you say, I don't trust you. I don't believe in what you say. I'm not going to take the pills. Why do you go to the doctor? If you don't trust in the Lord, why do you go to prayer? So I told him, he says, well, what, what do you want me to do? Because I, I do want to believe, but I just, I, just, I just struggle to believe. I said, very simple. We don't believe because we don't know God. If God would open our eyes for a second to see Him, to see how He works, to see His patience and His love and His wisdom and His plans and the future, to see tomorrow, to see 10 years down the road, to see the second coming, to see eternal life, we would never, we would be ashamed of ourselves. Angels who see Him and see us, they wonder, why would these people doubt God? We, if we would see Him, we would be like, wow. Next second, wow, next, wow, we will never doubt him again. In fact, we will just lay back and say, do whatever you want, I trust in you. We would be ashamed of ourselves because we doubt God who loves us so much that he gave Jesus. And so, I told my friend, I said, this is what you need to do. When you pray tomorrow morning, you say, Lord, 
I tell you my problems, not because you don't know. You do know. But to give you permission to work because you respect my freedom, my choice. So I choose to give them to you. So I'm going to give them to you now. They are your problems, not mine. I know that you love me. He says, but I know that. Why do I say it? Say it because what you say influences the way you think. But, but I don't want to lie. If I say I trust in you, I lie because I don't trust. I say, say, say it, Lord, I trust in you. Help me to trust even more. This way you leave room for development in your faith. So say it, Lord, I give it to you. I don't know how you work. Basically, be honest. I don't know how you work. I have no solution, but I know you love me. And then I said, focus on God. I know you love me. I know you gave Jesus. I know you promised. I know you care. I know you have solutions. I don't know. I don't understand. I cannot even understand your brain. You are God. I mean, you can split the sea. How could I explain that, you know? But, but I, I know you. I don't need to know how you do it. I need to know you. And then I said, tell the Lord. I said, focus on him. Tell the Lord five or ten things that he has done for you in the past. He said, but why would I do that? Because God knows them. I said, you tell the Lord what he has done for you. Not because of him, but because of you. Yes, because of him too. Because angels praise him day and night. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb. They praise him. And you need to praise him for what he has done for you. God is worth your praises. But by talking about what he has done for you, you water faith. You don't water doubt. When you talk about problems, you nurture the weeds. When you talk about faith, you nurture the, 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 the tomatoes in your garden. You need to nurture faith, to, 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 to reinforce, to feed faith. Because whatever you feed, that's what's going to grow. So you, you talk about what God has done for you. You say, Lord, but I, I can say, Lord, you have done for me many things in the past. No, you need to remember. You say, Lord, 10 years ago, I had that accident and you saved my life through a miracle. Lord, uh, three years ago, when I lost this and that, you solved that problem. Lord, when, remind the Lord, not that he has forgot. Look in the Bible. When Jehoshaphat goes to pray before the Lord, when he's attacked by great armies, he says, Lord, you are a great God. You have done this and that in the past. You got us out of Egypt. You led us through the wilderness. You gave us. Why would he say that? Because God doesn't forget. God doesn't have a short memory. He says that because as you remember what God has done for you in the past, it reminds you that you can trust in the Lord in the present. I said, repeat, bless the Lord of my soul and do not forget any of his benefits. Repeat what he has done for you in the past. I said, he says, what if I don't remember? Ask the Lord to remind you. Isn't it strange that we remember problems, but we don't remember blessings? You and your spouse, you remember the trouble, but you don't remember the good times. That's bad. You need to remember the stuff that is good, you know. And so, after you repeat, tell the Lord, Lord, I remember when you have done this, and I remember when you have done that. And by the way, if you want to remember that, write it down. When God has done is doing something for you, an answer to prayer. You think you remember? Two months down the road, you have no clue. You say, oh, I know God has done something, but I just don't remember what. Write it down in the calendar. Don't write five pages, a whole story. Just write three words. I lost my cell phone. I prayed. And then the lady from the airport called and the bus brought the cell phone to me. And, and you, you remember the whole miracle story. Write it down. And then tell the Lord in prayer five, ten miracles that he has done for you in the past. And then I said to my, to my church member, to my friend, I said, then take ten Bible promises, God's 
word, God's promise for you. And if the mother, even if the mother forget you, I will never forget you. I've inscribed you on my palms. When you go through the waters, I will be with you. If you go through the fire, the fire will not touch you. Another Bible promise. The Lord is my strength. Who shall I fear? Another promise. Repeat them to the Lord. If you don't remember, open the Bible in Psalm, in Isaiah, whatever. Open the Bible. Uh, read them loud in prayer. Lord, you said. Uh, read them back to him. And then say, Lord, I don't know how. But I trust in you because of your love and I know you keep your word. I'm going to decide. I'm going to make a mind. I don't feel it, but I'm going to make a decision. Say it. I'm going to make a mind decision. I'm going to trust in you. I said, would you do that? He said, well, it doesn't make any sense. Then don't call me back. You call me to ask for help. He said, pastor, I need help. Now do what I said. If you don't do what I said, just stop, stop calling me. He said, I don't know if it works. I said, sure you don't know because you don't do it. You have done your way for three months. You prayed your way. Look into the problems and complaining and whining. We pray whining prayers. Oh, Lord. And we just keep crying and crying and whining. That's okay to cry. But you know what? When you focus so much on your problems and repeat them again and again, you make it impossible for you and for God to work. So I said to him, you have tried for three months your way. Now try one time the way I tell you. Well, yeah. Oh, uh, I said, promise me that, oh, pastor, uh, promise me that you'll, okay, I'll do it. I don't think it makes sense. Do it one time, what do you lose? And then let me know. Next morning, I was still in California. I was supposed to preach. He calls me at 5 a.m. I said, I hope it's God calling me, you know, but it was not. It was this church member. He calls me at 5 a.m. I was praying. I, I, I don't want to stop from my prayer, but you know, sometimes God talks to strange ways. And so I said, what if God wants to answer me? So I looked at the telephone, it's this guy. And I said, man, he's going to call forever. He's going to leave 25 messages. I need to answer. So I said, yes. I said, this is, you know, it's 5 a.m. You know that. Pastor, I could not wait anymore. You don't know what happened. I said, no, unless you tell me. Sure, I'm not a prophet, you know. And he says, pastor, last night I prayed the way you said I've been an Adventist all my life. This is the best prayer ever. I'm going to pray this way always. This is what happened, Pastor. I said, your wife healed. No. She got her job. No. You got a job. No. I said, what happened, man? He said, I've been struggling. I go to prayer struggling and I leave prayer struggling. And I struggle so bad. And I just, I don't feel like praying anymore. And he says, when I was praying this way, I got a peace like never before in my whole life. I've been going to church. I know this Bible promise. I know I never had this type of peace in prayer in my life. I started to pray. And in the beginning, I just doubted what you said. But I, I, I said, I will do it. So I did it. And I started to tell the Lord. I said, these are my problems, but you know them, Lord. I give them to you. I'm going to decide to leave them with you. Now, Lord, I know that you have done this for me. And he said, Pastor, I could not remember five or ten things. But as I was Telling the Lord, more things came to my mind. And I said, I know you have done this and that, and you have done this, and you have done that. And, and that's amazing how I forgot those things, how you worked in that situation. <coughs> how powerful, what an answer to prayer. And I forgot all about it. Lord, thank you. And if you worked in the past, I believe you are not going to abandon me in the middle. You will finish what you started, Lord. I don't know how, but I know that you will finish the Lord that you have started in me, the work that you have. And then he says, Lord, let me remind you, not because you forgot, but you said this and that. And he started to read, he, sa he said, I started to read Bible promises back to the Lord out loud. And I said, Pastor, this is what happened. 
when I was reading the Bible promise, when I got to the third or the fourth one, for some reason, I forgot about my problems. The more I would focus on God and His promises and His love and His power and His miracles and this nice Bible promises, the more I started to have peace and to have joy to the point that I, I felt light. I felt like I was flying. I had joy in my prayer. And then he said, I didn't know what God was, was going to do. But I knew that he would do it. I knew instantly. I started to feel. I knew instantly that God is there. I felt that I am not alone. I felt that God is next to me. And he comforted me and he touched me and he said, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, just hang in there. I am with you. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to protect you. You'll, you may struggle right now, but you'll get out of it. And the problems will be solved better than you think, better than you pray, better than you imagine. You are going to look back and Jericho that you see right now will be no more. You'll still be here, but Jericho will be no more. And by the way, I told him, the day before, I said, I want you to do a third thing. He said, what? I said, not only to tell God some of your experience with him, not only to tell God some of the Bible promises that God promised you, but I want you to call somebody. He said, what? I want you to call somebody that struggles and tell him what God has done for you and tell him what God promised. Tell him five miracles and tell him five promises. If you can, tell him 10 miracles and tell him 10 promises. And then tell him, God will do it for you too, because God loves you. Hang in there, I'm praying for you. Fix your eyes on God, don't fix your... He said, I, I, I don't know anybody. I said, yes, you do. If you don't know anybody, it means you live in the forest, in the top of a tree alone. You, you live in society, you know somebody struggling. I want you to call. He said, pastor, when I finished praying, I had peace. And I thought about my co-worker. His wife died of cancer. His son, 19 years old, died in a car accident. And he lost his job together with me when many people got fired because of the economy. And he said, I thought about him. And I called him and I said, listen, buddy, I'm struggling too. But listen, God has done this for me. And God has done that five years ago and three years ago. And pastor, I started to tell him, in short, some of the miracles and God house has worked for me in the past. Some of my stories, some of my experiences with God. And I said, God has done that for me. And right now I don't know how he'll work, but I know that he'll do it again because he loves me. He gave Jesus for me. And then he said, pastor, I told him, listen what God promises. And I read him a few Bible promises. And I said, buddy, I know you suffer right now. But hang in there because I am praying for you and God loves you and he's going to work for you because he promised this for you. And pastor, you know what he said? My friend, you don't know what you did, but you just saved my life. He says, why? I just called you. And he said, I was so desperate. My life would make no sense anymore. My wife is gone. My son is gone. My job is gone. Why would I live? That I took my gun. I loaded it. I put it at my head. And I was ready to pull the trigger when the telephone started to ring. I don't know how you can have so much faith when you go so, through so many trials, but I admire your faith. You must have a real God if you have faith and peace in the middle of the trials. Think about it. Joseph in prison, having faith in God. Daniel, a slave in Babylon, having faith in God. Moses in the wilderness, 40 long years, having faith in God. Paul in prison, he sings. I would complain. I would be angry. I would be frustrated. He sings to the point that everybody is impressed. Peter in prison. He goes to sleep. 
I mean, to go to sleep, you mean you need to have peace. He says, you know what? All things, how many? All. All doesn't mean 95%. All means all. All things work together for the benefit of those who love the Lord. If God allowed me to be in prison, he must have a reason. And I, I, I suffer, but you know what? I know him. I trust in him. If he put me here, I'm okay with it because I trust in him. So Peter says, I'm in God's hands. He put me here. I can sleep peacefully. He I know that he's in control, so I have peace. He goes to sleep in prison. And then the earthquake, you know, and he says, maybe it's a dream. People that fix their eyes on God, they have peace in the midst of the trial. People that put their eyes on the problems, they struggle. And so he said, Pastor, this is the best prayer. Not only that I have peace. I don't know how, but I know God, Lord. But I saved. God used me to save my friend, my co-worker's life. This is amazing. This is my best experience in my life. I said, brother, write it down right now. Why? I said, because whatever you remember, you forget. Whatever you write down, you remember. Write it down. Anyway, going back to our subject, if you really want to have faith, you need to put your eyes on God. The more you know Him, the more you fix your eyes on Him, and his cross, and his works, and his interventions in your life, and his promises. The more you know him, the more you trust him, and then you allow him to work, though you may not understand, and then you wait upon him. Then God can work in your life. How do you trust him? Put your eyes on him. Our time is short, and this was the review. Now we need to move to the third point. We said, confess, how? Fix your eyes on him. You understand how you are. And then you understand the need for confession and forgiveness. Believe. By believing, you allow him to forgive you. You allow him to work. How do you believe? If you doubt, put your eyes on him, not on the problems. When you know him, you have no problem. The more you know him, the more you trust in him, the more peace you have in the midst of your problems and challenges. But the third is not enough. It's not enough to be forgiven. It's not enough to believe. You know, the, the parable says that after uh, the demon was cast out, the house was empty and clean. So the demon brought seven more back. It's not enough to be delivered. You need to make sure that you don't go back. You are forgiven. You need to make sure that you don't repeat. So many times we are forgiven and then we repeat it again and then we are forgiven and then we repeat it again to the point that we get discouraged. Like Mary, seven times she was delivered and seven times she went back to the scene. But something happened. Mary, after she was forgiven and she believed when Jesus says, I do not condemn you either. She believed. But she did something. You look to Mary. After that, you see her always next to Jesus. She is always next to him. She is the one washing his feet and drying them with her hair. She is the one being at the foot of the cross. When the other disciples go away, they run and hide. She never separates from him again. She is the one that goes first to the grave in the resurrection morning. She's the one that she is always next to him. Basically, after she is forgiven and after she is delivered, she doesn't separate. She never separates. She always is connected. That's what Jesus says in John 15. 
You are the vine. I'm the vine. I'm sorry. You are the branches. Remain in me. And if you look to that Bible verse, in that Bible verse, the word in those, in that paragraph, actually, not in one Bible, in that paragraph, in those few Bible verses, the word abide or other translations remain is repeated four times. In the Hebrew, tra- in the Hebrew culture, something that is repeated three times is extremely important, crucial, something that cannot be changed, is vital, like holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Repeated three times, all people in Hebrew culture know that's important. That's something you cannot change. That's vital. Like Babylon is fallen, is fallen, is fallen. That's something that's going to happen. It's important. You need to pay attention. Here, when he says four times, is extremely important. It's crucial. Jesus wants them to get it. This is the key. You may be delivered, but then you'll go back to the same habit, to the same problem, to the same struggle. If you really want victory, if you really want growth, Jesus says, as branches separated from the main vine die, so you, when you separate from me spiritually, you are dead spiritually. You go back to your problem. Your nature, your human nature would pu- is going to push you back. You cannot change yourself. As a leopard cannot change his spots, so you. You may change your external behavior, but you cannot change the spring in the heart. Heart is deceiving. Heart is evil. You may think that you are okay, but you don't even know how you are before you face a challenge. You may think that you are patient, but you don't know until somebody step all over you. You may think that you are not tempted by this or that before you step into the challenge. You may think that you have faith in the Lord until you get to a serious trial and God doesn't seem to answer. And then you see how it is. The single security that we have is to abide, to remain, to be connected, never disconnect, fully, continually, completely connected. Abide in me, remain in me, separate it from me. You can do nothing. You cannot bear any fruit. There is no way that you can have victory. There is no way that you can get victory over sin. There is no way that you can grow. There is no way that you can produce fruits or save anybody around you. There is no way that you can go to heaven without me. Without me, you can do nothing. Remain in me. When you are alone, Satan has full access. Satan can fool you. Satan can get victory. You don't have the power to fight Satan. You can try forever. You still lose the battle. But when Jesus lives in you, the battle is already won. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to be afraid. If God is with you, who can be against you? The problem we have, we need to make sure that God is in us. We need to make sure our first problem, above any other challenge that we may have, is that we we need to make sure in the morning, before we step out, we need to make sure that we don't step out alone. Before you make sure that you wake up early in the morning, And you are filled with God's presence. You are filled as the battery has to be filled before it can function. As your cell phone has to be filled before it can function. Make sure that you are fully spiritually charged. That you are baptized anew again every morning with the Holy Spirit. Make sure. The Spirit of Prophecy says, we need the Holy Spirit for victory. We need the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin. We need the Holy Spirit to convict us of our need for repentance, of our need for righteousness. We need the Holy Spirit to give us power. We need the Holy Spirit to help others. If we need the Holy Spirit in every step, why don't we pray for them? Why don't we wait? Jesus told the disciples, don't go. 
Don't go, don't leave, don't work. Remain in the city and pray until you receive. How long should you pray? One prayer, two prayers, one day, two days. Jesus doesn't say pray five days, pray seven days, pray 40 days. He says pray until you receive the Holy Spirit. Pray until you receive. When you receive the Holy Spirit, then you receive power. Then you can go. They prayed in the upper room until they received the Holy Spirit. When they were baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, then the healed, the, the sick was healed. They talked in different languages so people of other nations could understand the sermon. They, the dead was resurrected. Thousands got baptized. When you have God's presence, God's power, nothing is impossible. Satan has no more power. God and Satan don't share the same apartment. When God comes in, Satan goes out. When I was small, I was afraid of darkness. And when I would go to sleep, I would, oh, Daddy, I don't want to go to sleep. I was about two years old. And my father said, why are you afraid of darkness? Well, it's so dark, I don't see anything. Why don't you kick it out? You need some light. I said, how do I kick the darkness out? He says, well, take a spoon, open the window. I believed. I was foolish. I opened the window with a spoon. I was trying to get the darkness out. My father said, does it work? No. Try harder. I try harder. Does it work? No. My father said, hey, son, you don't get the darkness out by fighting the darkness. You take the darkness out by inviting the light in. Take here a night lamp, very small, put it in the outlet. As soon as, as I put a little light, not a big shining, just a little light in, there was no more darkness. I was so confident and peaceful and happy. You don't fight Satan by fighting Satan. You fight Satan by inviting God. God has to fight Satan. He said, I will fight for you. I will give you victory. Jesus already won the victory for you. You fight Satan when in the morning, before you start the day, you wake up and you make sure, as Jesus did every morning, he would start early when it was still dark, says in the Bible. And he would spend quality time in prayer. All people of faith in the Bible have been people of prayer, that they have walked with God. In the morning, you start your day spending enough time in prayer and study of the Word until you are filled with God's presence. And you say, Lord, alone I am nothing. Please abide in me. And if I forget, remind me if I depart from you, remind me please to abide in you. Please help us be connected because I need you. I need you every hour. I need you. Know the song. I need you. I need you. Remain in me and I in you. That's the reason Daniel prayed. It says three times a day, but they prayed as a rule, all of them. In the morning, at the noon sacrifice that was actually 3 p.m., and then in the evening. Besides that, he prayed three more times. Imagine, that means that every, every two, three, four hours, he would stop everything. That doesn't mean that he prayed two hours and then took another two hours break and prayed another. He would stop for a few minutes and say, Lord, I just don't want to forget about you. I need an oasis of reconnection. Please help me stay connected. Thank you. And then he would continue. This way, he reminded himself to stay connected. That's where power comes from. Power comes from God's presence, not from your wisdom or experience or power. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not your strength. It's not your methods. It's not your power. 
is the Holy Spirit. That's the reason Jesus says, it's better for you if I go. But because if I go, I'm going to send you the comforter. You need that. It's essential. Abide. Remain. How do you remain in Jesus? How do you do that? Remember I told you last time about golfing? Keep your eyes on the ball. How do you remain in Jesus? Because we have a tendency to depart and to forget. Keep your eye constantly on him. Keep your eyes constantly. Turn your eyes. The song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Whenever your face goes, your mind goes, turn it back. Discipline yourself again and again. Because as you look to him, fully his wonderful face, then you have a tendency to remember him. As you look to him, then the other things become very small. When things around you become big, it's because you lost God out of your mind. For instance, think about this. David says in Psalm 27, he says, a day in your presence is better than a thousand days in a different place. A day with you, Lord. Is, I, I, I would like all the days of my life to spend in your presence. I would like all the days of my life to contemplate, he says, your beauty. I, I would like, when I look to you, when I see how you are, I would like every day of my life from morning to night, day in and day out, 24-7, I would like just to spend time looking to you. I am always like, wow, when I look to you. The reason we have no faith, the reason we depart, the reason we fail, the reason we go back to our problems is because we fail to look at him. David says also in Psalm 63, he says, your presence is better than food, better than water, better than life. Your presence is the best. I love you, Lord. I love you more than anything. If you really want to love the Lord and to get victory and growth, you remain in him continually. How do you do that? You keep your eyes on him. When you forget, you turn your eyes back on him. I want to, to, to give you an example on how to put your eyes on something. Uh, when I was six years old, my actual wife, she was three years old. I saw him coming to church. And I told my sister, I'm going to marry that girl. And my sister said, what? I said, I'm going to marry that girl. My sister said, you are six and she is three. You don't even understand love. You don't understand marriage. As you grow up, you are going to forget about her. You are going to move. She's going to move. You are going to forget each other. You are going to love somebody different. You will not even remember these words. I said, mm -mm, you are wrong. I like her. And guess what I did? I kept my eyes on her. We were going to church. Everybody was looking in front to the pastor. I could not care more about the pastor. I mean, I could not care less about, I could not care at all about the pastor. I was looking at her. Like when you have a spring on your neck and it turns your head right there and you can push it back and your head goes back there because, you know, I was looking at her. And then I was in the fifth grade and I was in the seventh grade. I was in the choir singing tenor and she was singing alto and I was looking to the alto and I would close my eyes and then open my eyes and see her lips and close my eyes and try to remember and then open my eyes and see her cheeks and then close my eyes and try to remember and then open my eyes and see her eyes and close my eyes to the point that I would memorize her face and go home and be able to imagine when I close my eyes I can see her and I fixed my eyes on her and people said man it's obvious are you stalking her I said no this is no stalking this is extreme love and so I learned everything about her. I learned what she likes, what type of ice cream. I learned what color, what music, what, what. I learned everything about her. And I, I started to talk to her and I basically 
looking at her more and more. The, the more I knew her, the more I liked her. And then I talked, I said, you know, I love you. Oh, you don't know me. <laughs> yes, I do know you. And I, I want to marry you. She said, well, we need to spend some time and then pray. And then I said, I agree with you. We dated three years and a half. We married 34 years ago, almost 35. And we love each other even more every day. And even now, I keep my eyes on her. When I travel, I call her like every 10 minutes. I'm exaggerating to make a point. I call her every one, two hours. Hey, how are you doing? I miss you. I love you. And we talk all the time. We talk all the time. We talk everything. We are always connected. And then, I, if, if, if I close my eyes, I see her. Like when I when you're dating, I would close my eyes and I would see her. And, and I wanted to be with her always. And then, imagine, even now, I cannot go to sleep before I talk to her. We go to sleep on FaceTime. We see each other and she falls asleep faster than me, you know, and I see her when she sleeps. I am handicapped without her. I cannot function without her. And we talk about loving God. Do you love God to the point that you cannot go to sleep without Him? That you cannot start the day without Him? Do you love God to the point that you need to talk to Him every one hour or every ten minutes? Do you love God to the point that you want to see Him all the time? You know, I'm not a poet, but for my wife, love does that to you. I wrote poetry. I still have them. And when we would meet, I wanted to recite the poetry. But when I would see her, I would open my mouth as when you go to the dentist. And I forgot poetry, I forgot even my name, I forgot everything around me, I forgot everything. I was just happy to be with her. When you go to God, we say, Lord, give me this and bless me and, and so on. Instead of looking to Him, when you look fully His wonderful face and you see Him and you understand Him, you forget your problems. You forget your challenges, you forget your job loss, you forget your cancer, you forget everything, your divorce. You forget. The reason you don't forget is because you look to the problems instead of looking to Him. When you look to Him, as when I look to my wife, I would forget myself, I would forget every, even the poetry that I, even my name. When you look to Him, when you understand how He is, Everything else disappears. When you understand how good, how loving, how powerful, how wise, the plans he has for you, you have peace. The problem, the reason we have problems is because we don't look at him. And because we don't look at him, we go back in the problems, in challenges, in sin, and we get discouraged and depressed and we have no victory and no joy. Look full in his wonderful face. And the worldly things would, go, would grow strangely dim. We need to understand this is the key. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Paul says, I forget what is behind. And I fix my eyes on the goal ahead. In a different Bible verse, he says, I put my eyes on the captain of my salvation. Put your eyes on Jesus. Put your eyes on Jesus. That's how everything happens in your Christian life. I want to mention a few things. We cannot, we cannot save ourselves. We cannot change ourselves. There is no hope that we will change. We will learn to be patient or we will learn not to criticize or we will learn not to do this or that. There is no way. We cannot change ourselves. We cannot forgive, clean our sins. Even if we would get somehow forgiveness for the past, we cannot change the future. We will do it again. We cannot grow. We cannot get victory. We cannot change our human nature. We cannot save ourselves into eternity, into heaven. We cannot change anybody else around us, our families, our friends. But listen, 
Steps to Christ, page 49. Talking about change, salvation, righteousness. Money cannot buy it. Intellect cannot procure it. Wisdom cannot attain it. You can never hope by human efforts to secure it. But God gives it to you as a gift. Let me give you another quotation. I, uh, give me one second, let me find it. Found it. Steps to Christ, page 51. You are a sinner. You cannot atone for your past sins. You cannot change your heart and make yourself holy. But God promised to do all these things for you through Jesus. God promised. He cannot lie. He's God. To do all these things for you through Jesus. Now listen carefully. You must believe that promise for God to be able to work. You need to believe. Listen carefully. If you believe the promise, God will supply the facts. And you'll be whole. Beautiful. Now listen carefully to the next sentence in the paragraph. Don't wait to feel in order to believe. Don't wait. Oh, I don't feel it. Don't wait to feel it. But say, say, I believe. Not because I feel it, but because God promised. Say it, Lord. I don't feel it. I don't deserve it. I don't understand. But I believe. I make a decision to believe. Not because I deserve it or I feel it, but because you promised. And I trust your word. I don't know when. I don't know how. But I know that I can rejoice already because, it, because you promised. It's mine. Say, I believe. Not because I feel it or I deserve it, but because you promised. And this way, you may ask for God's blessings, believe that you have already received them, done deal past tense, and thank God in advance for them. Thank God before you receive them that you have received them, as you would, you would already have received them. Listen carefully. I always tell this story. Uh, my wife likes specific types of cologne or spray or perfumes. And, and, and uh, she wanted... Uh, a cologne that was called dazzling and there are two types is silver and gold it's not real silver or real gold it's just the color of the the bottle the, the container and they have a little different smells and she says honey i love this but it's over it's almost empty and i cannot find it and i said honey what do you want me to get for your birthday because i don't want to buy something that you don't like and you don't use i said well if you really want to do something for me Get me a new container of dazzling on gold. Make sure that you don't get the silver. I like the gold. I said, okay, honey. I said, I promise you'll have it five days from now on your birthday. It was some time ago, a few years ago, on her birthday. Her birthday is in August. It's not in... No, no, no. And so I said, I promise you'll have it on your birthday. And then I went to the store to buy it. I went to Macy's. They said, it has been discontinued. I said, don't you have any leftover? No. I went to JCPenney. I went to all the malls in the area. And then I went online. I went to Amazon, eBay. I, I could not find it. They discontinued it. I was in trouble because I promised. And then I kept looking and looking. And I finally found one. But it was ridiculously expensive. When something is discontinued, those that still have it, they pump up the price. It was expensive, but I said, you know, I promised. 
doesn't matter the price. I promise. This is my wife, you know. I love her more than, it was $80. I love her more than $80 for a cologne. You know, so I'm going to pay the $80 for my wife. No question. And then I sent a text attached to the payment. I said, I want you to call me to the seller. Otherwise, I'm not going to pay. This is my number or call me here on Messenger. Or, because this is serious matter. This is important. It's life and death matter. He texted me back. What's the problem? I said, I want you to make sure that this is delivered on this date, August 20. I want you to make sure. And I want you to make sure this is the address. Don't be late. If it comes one day later, I want my money back. If it doesn't come, I want my money back. If you do a mistake, I want my money back. And I want then a bottle, a container for free and a $50 gift card. He said, ah, we cannot do that. Then I don't buy it from you. I said, I want you to promise. He said, no worries, we'll, we'll, we'll deliver in time. Okay, if you don't, you'll pay for it. You don't know me. If you knew me, you trust what I say. Ah, no worries. Okay, August 20 came. I go to the post, to the mail. I open my mailbox. I pick up the mail. And the cologne is not there. I got tense. My stomach started to hurt. My ears turned red. I was all red. I go up the driveway. My wife sees me, says, honey, are you okay? When she sees my ears red, she knows that I am upset. I said, I'm not okay. She says, why? Well, I found you the cologne that I promised. And you're supposed to deliver today. And it didn't come. I expected her to be sad. She gave me a big hug. She kissed me. She says, I have peace and joy. I said, why? It didn't come. She said, I don't need it to come. I don't need to know what's going to happen. I know you. When you said you'll do it, you are going to cross the earth and the sea and the ocean. You are going to do whatever it takes. And you'll get it to me. So I don't have to be stressed. Because I know you, I know I will have it. It's just a matter of days and I will have it. She had peace. Why? She didn't know what's going to happen. She didn't know how. She didn't know when. But she knew me. And she was right. I called that man and I talked to the general manager. And I said, you promised and I have a copy of the text. I saved the text. I want you to send me two bottles instead of one for free and a $100 gift card. And I want you to overnight it for free. He said, oh, you don't do that. I said, well, then I'm going to call the whole business. I'm going to complain on Facebook, on Internet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make your life miserable. I'm going to commit my energy to do that. I said, this is my wife that we talk about. We don't talk about just anybody. I want you to deliver what you promised. And the guy said, listen. I'm so, I told him, I said, I promised her on her birthday. He said, listen, I'm going to send you one for free. Overnight it and a $50 gift card. I said, what happened to that one? We sent it to you. It arrived. It says on the tracking uh, number that it was delivered to you. I said, nope, it didn't. I said, check the address. They sent it to a different address. Next day, it was in the mail, plus a $50 gift card. And my wife came to me. She says, I told you that I have peace about it. Folks, the reason we struggle is because you don't know God. When you know God, you have peace. Just a matter of time. When you have peace, you allow him to work. You trust in him. Moreover, when you know him, you rejoice. You already praise him for what he's about to do. You say, Lord, I don't know how, I don't know when, but I know that you did it. Thank you. I can rejoice already. You promise me this, I have it. 
I can rejoice it. I have the, I have the cologne. I can rejoice it. It's just a matter. You, it's already sent. It's just a matter until it, it arrives. It's just a matter until I receive it. But I know it's on the way. I know it's coming. And the reason we don't rejoice and we don't trust God is because we don't know God. And the reason we don't know God is because we spend time looking to the problems and planning how to solve them instead of spending time looking to God, to His promises, to His, the way He has worked in the past, to His cross, to His love, to His character. That's what we are going to spend in eternity. The science of all eternity is going to learn more about how God works, how He thinks, how He does it. And the more you learn, the more you would praise Him and love Him. And wherever you live in heaven, you will have a house by the lake, whatever you like. Every time you see God, you are going to be just in shock, amazed of His love. And so, we need to understand, He who began this work in you, He is able and He loves you enough to carry it to the completion. He will finish it. He is able. He loves you and He will do it. Listen, Paul says, I consider myself dead to sin, but alive in Christ. He was not yet dead to sin, but he said, because I am in Christ, I am alive. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He who has Christ has life. Basically, you are saved. When you don't have Christ, you are lost. Look to Jesus and believe in him. And that's how you exercise and develop faith. Another quotation. Let us know what it is to have living faith in the word of God. Now listen carefully to the next sentence. So we must talk faith, pray faith, sing faith and act faith. And then we'll see God's moving and the spirit of God working. Don't talk problems, talk faith. Don't pray problems, pray faith. When you present your own, Lord, I have a problem on this and this and this is a problem, big problem. He said, Lord, I know that you know this problem and I trust in you that you will solve it. Pray faith. Through the simple act of believing, the Holy Spirit has already started working a new life in your heart. You are a child born in the family of God and God loves you just as he loves his son Jesus. Steps to Christ, page 51. When you believe by simple act of believing, the Holy Spirit can work in you a new life. And in that moment, when you believe, you are in the family of God, a son of God, a daughter of God, and He loves you, he's, it says here, just as He loves Jesus, His Son. God loves you as He loves Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Another quotation, Steps to Christ, page 18. It is impossible for us to escape from the pit of sin. Our hearts are evil. We cannot change them. Education, culture, exercise of will, human effort. All they have their proper sphere, but they are powerless when you talk about salvation and righteousness. They may produce an outward behavior, but they cannot change the heart. They cannot purify the spring of life. There must be a power working from within, a new life from above that can change us. That power is Christ alone. His grace alone can quicken the lifeless faculties of the soul and attract us to God, to His holiness. Powerful. Looking unto Jesus, letter 20, 1897. Listen carefully. Looking, looking, looking unto Jesus. As we contemplate the cross, we are enabled to see his provisions. As you contemplate the cross, you can see his provisions. Another quotation. 
Bible uh, Commentaries, Volume 5, page 1132. If man would contemplate the love of Christ, if you look, if you reflect, if you contemplate, if man would contemplate the love of Christ, their faith would grow, would be strengthened, and they would be cleansed and saved. As you contemplate, that's the reason Paul says in the Bible that we look like in a mirror. And as we look, as we behold, we are changed from glory to glory by beholding, not by effort. As you look to Jesus, the more you look, the more you understand, the more you are transformed into his image from glory to glory. I want to finish because our time is up. If they kept their eyes fixed on Jesus, as Peter, when he looked to Jesus, he was walking on waters. As if, 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 it's a, it's a conditional, if they kept their eyes fixed on Jesus, leading them, they were safe. As long as you keep your eyes on Jesus, you are safe. When you disconnect, you are lost. You need to reconnect right away. A profession of religion places people in the church. But the character and the behavior show whether they have a connection that is continual with Christ. Desire of Ages, page 676. A profession of religion places people in the church. But the character shows if we are continually connected with Jesus. When we bring our hearts in continual unity with Christ, our lives would be in harmony with him. Our minds take the level of the things that we dwell on, we behold. Listen carefully. Our minds are transformed. Take the level of the things that we behold. If you behold this, you are going to think about that. And the more you behold, the more you think about that, and the more that's what you become. But if you behold Jesus, whatever you dwell on, that's what you become. Our minds take the level of the things that we dwell on. If we think about early things, we shall fail to be impressed about the heavenly. I want, to, I want you to understand, it says here, but when you behold the love of God and his goodness and his mercy and his character, we grow. Now listen, we sustain great loss by dwelling about the, uh, upon the things that are earthly and temporal. We allow sorrow, sorrow and care and perplexity to attract our minds and we magnify those into a mountain and we suffer great loss. We are to discipline our mind so that we may think about heavenly things, heavenly promises. And as we dwell about heavenly eternal things, we may obtain strength and vigor of spirit. I want to again emphasize it may seem small, but spiritual growth is not an event, it's a process. People say, Pastor, I tried to look to Jesus, and look, I failed again. It's not an event, it's a lifelong process. Basically, you don't look to Jesus one time, or one day, or one week. Do it again and again, even if you fail. Go back. David says, I set my life. It says there that he set his life to seek the Lord. But the translation from Hebrew is that he programmed his mind to seek God. And every time he would fail, he would go back. Hey, that's the goal. That's the reason I live. That's my target. Even if I once in a while I forget and I go left and right, as soon as I remember, I put my eyes back on the target. Because that's what I programmed my mind to do 
for the rest of my life to know the Lord, to seek Him and to know Him and to be connected with Him. That's the reason David was a man after God's heart, he says in the Bible. He was a sinner. He killed Uriah. He, we know all the stories. We don't, we don't need to go to them. He was a sinner. But because he set his mind to seek the Lord and to know the Lord and be connected, he went back to the Lord, back to the Lord. Every time he failed, he went back to the Lord to the point that he was more and more and more and more one with the Lord until he was continually one with the Lord. And that's the reason God says about him later, a few kings later, when a king failed and the prophet goes to him, he says, you are not like my servant David, who, quote, all the day of his life, walked in all my commandments and never broke any of them. God must have very short memory. David broke quite a few. But when you seek the Lord, not only that you are forgiven and those sins are erased, but you are connected and you become man after God's own heart. And God says, look at him. He is always with me. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. That's God's call for you. Don't worry how you'll do it. Just seek him. He will do it for you. He promised in Jeremiah 29, 11, if you see me with all your heart, I will let myself be found. He promised in James chapter 5, if you draw near to God, He will draw near to you. Don't ask how He will do it, when He will do it. Just keep seeking Him. If God showed Himself fully to you, you would die like Hiroshima. You will be vaporized. But God is going to, as you step closer to Him and you seek Him, He's going to step closer to you as much as you can handle then you seek him even more and he's going to get even closer. And the more you seek him, the closer. And this is a long process. You are not going to see the difference from yesterday to today. But as you do that, you will see the difference two years later as you look back. And you will see that your life keeps growing and improving. And the more you seek him, the more you know him, the closer you are with him. Until without knowing, you are Instead of being with him every five hours, you are going to be with him every one hour and then every half an hour and then you are going to be with him continually to the point that people see you and they see Jesus in you because you become one with him. This is a long growing process from baby to the stature of fullness of Christ. And it doesn't matter where you are in the process. That's not important if you got here or not yet. As long as you are in Jesus seeking him, you are saved. When you separate, you are lost. Therefore, seek him every day. Because that's religion. To know God is life. God bless you. Let's have a prayer together. Father in heaven, help us understand that you promised and you actually are waiting for us to pray this prayer. You are happy when we pray this prayer. We don't need to beg, oh, please, 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 let me know you. You want us to know you. You promise that if we seek you, you will let yourself be found. Please help us to make the goal, the reason, the target, the focus of our life, to know you and to seek you. Help us, Lord, to know you more every day to the point that we become so close to the point that we become one with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.